What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. Today we launch season seven, season seven of the podcast, which means there's six fantastic seasons you got to catch up on if you're a new guest of the podcast. Lots to sift through. My just right off the top of my dome right now suggestions would be listen to the two John Mayer episodes, listen to the Matheny episode, Satriani, Jacob Collier, Vince Gill was a good one, Joe Walsh. I mean, actually, I don't, I don't know where this. I don't know. What do you? I don't know what you like. I don't know what you like. Victor Wooten, go check out Victor Wooten. Scan through, see what your favorite artist is, and if I've interviewed them, go check it out. But today we start season seven. I'm excited about that. I'm excited because today I am flying to Sweden to start my Europe tour. For those of you that are in Europe, come hang out. Well, I guess actually pretty much all the shows are sold out except for a couple of the UK shows. So try to find some secondary market tickets. Actually, do I encourage that? I don't know. Find somebody who bought a ticket and see if they want to sell it to you. Go on Reddit or something. I don't know. And if you're in the UK, there's tickets available. Come check it out. It's going to be a fantastic show. A lot of new material. Insane live band right now. 10-piece live band. Antoine Stanley's joining me. It's going to be fun. And for those of you in the US, I'm doing a West Coast tour starting in February. You're going to want to get tickets to that one fast. Everybody else in the US, just hang on, okay? Several months after that, I'm going to go back out on tour. It just worked out for me to do the West Coast during the winter. So be it. It's going to be amazing. I have the band La Lome opening up, and my friend Monica Martin is going to be a special guest on that tour. Very excited. Now, you want to talk special guests? Today's guest, Wolfgang Van Halen. This cat is dope! Great guitar player, great bass player, singer, songwriter. Let me put one thing to bed right now. Okay, let me put one thing to bed right now, because I've seen some of this on the internet. Oh, people like Wolfgang because of the last name Van Halen. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care if he's Wolfgang Van Buren, or what other family association is going on? This cat is dope, independent of any family name. Now, yes, we all pay respects to Edward, one of the kings, not just lead guitar, but rhythm guitar. If you've been sleeping on the Eddie Van Halen rhythm guitar, you got to wake up. Anyways, I'm done ranting about all that. I'm very excited because Wolfgang is a really great musician and such a wonderful person. Great dude. I really enjoyed hanging with him, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Without further ado... Wolfgang Van Halen. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing. It works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums, and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. 
And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you wanna use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out, DistroKid. All right, let's hit this episode. Well, Wolfgang, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's super fun. I just checked out your new record. I love it. I need a little bit of explaining. So the band is Mammoth WVH. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, I just I just like to call it Mammoth. But yeah. Mammoth. Okay, but is is on Spotify. Is it WVH? Does yeah, it show that WVH. on the on the on the festival yeah. poster? It does. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But Mammoth is cool. And I read that there's a fun story behind the band name. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mammoth was actually the band right before Van Halen. It was a uh, it was a three piece where it was my dad playing guitar and singing, uh, my uncle playing drums, and uh, and a guy named Matt Stone playing uh, uh, Mark Stone, sorry, playing uh, bass. And uh, yeah, I really liked it because because dad was was singing, so I kind of like feel like that that sort of relationship you know with with my band and whenever dad would tell me you know the story of, of that band i was like man that's such a cool name like when i grow up i want to call yeah. my band that and uh here we are <laughs> yeah nice uh okay so you brought up uh, the idea of a trio and you're somebody who plays a lot of instruments you play yeah. the instruments in the rock bands right yeah. like the the classic instruments that you'd expect to hear one thing i've been thinking about lately i'm just this is totally curious just came to my mind thinking about trio because actually I got asked to do a trio gig recently yeah. uh, where it's, you know, guitar with bass and drums. I sometimes find myself figuring out like, okay, how much is enough to fill up the sound? Yeah. And of course it's different in rock where, you know, you can have that big driving tone. And like, I mean, I grew up listening to Green Day and Blink and all that stuff. So I know yeah. how- Green Day, Blink, even like the police, like they can really fill it up. Totally. And stuff, you know? At what point- do you think is enough stuff for a guitar player to play? And at what point is it like, ah, add a little bit more? And what, what decision would that be for you? I guess it depends on the, on, on what music is being played. I think like for Green Day, it totally works. You know, they're just, it's pretty much just power chord stuff. And like the, uh, you know, the bass is doing the, you know, the rhythm while the guitar can do stuff on top and nothing really changes. But, yeah. uh, I mean, it's tough. We actually, <laughs> uh, Mammoth had, three shows where we actually had to play as a three piece in an emergency. Our guitar player had to go back home for, for a thing. And, uh, we, we call it the mammoth 182 gigs. And, uh, <laughs> it was basically, like it, it, it was funny. Cause it's like, we did the shows and like my bass player and my drummer were like, man, we did it. Like, it's really cool. And it's like, well, yeah, you guys did the same thing. I'm the one who had to play. <laughs> I'm the one who had to sing and figure out what guitar parts to play while playing it. And, uh, but it, we, we made it happen. And it was, it's, you just got to kind of find the right things to, to, to fit. You know, you don't want to be playing the rhythms the whole time. You want to find those little textural things to be playing throughout the songs because the bass is already holding it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually I it's it's interesting to see what bands were trios and now have other people yeah. that have added uh, the Green Day's had a guy forever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw Green Day, they had like two, three extra cats on stage with I just saw Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, 
there's kind of a guy tucked in the back. There. Yeah, there's always like if you're gonna add the got guy, an <laughs> we got an auxiliary guy, and that's kind of what happened with us. We initially were uh, when we were rehearsing early, early on, like late 2018, early 2019. It, it was it was me, it was our guitar player Frank, my bass player Ronnie, and drum Garrett, and that's it. But you know, if you listen to to Mammoth, there's a lot of layers guitar wise and vocal yeah. vocal harmony wise, and like we need another guy. And that's when I found uh, John, the guy with the beard, who's the other guitar player. Yeah. And so it's like initially, you can see our first tour, he was kind of in the back. Sure. You know, like he was still on the stage and everything. It's like, he's the auxiliary guy. But it's like, as time went on, it's like, nah, he's, he's one, he's in the band. <laughs> he's the guy. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you initially need though. And you know what? I would still love to have another member, maybe like doing keyboard stuff so I don't have to do it <laughs> and sure. have another voice and stuff. I think you can always, I know people kind of see our band and go like, why do you have three guitar players? And my answer would be because I can't have four. <laughs> you know, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Cause even when That's you're all cute. playing the same thing, it's super powerful and, and the rhythm totally. just punches you in the gut. So it's like, I, I don't know why people would find a reason to complain about having more guitar players. <laughs> now we're talking other than your front of house engineer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a balancing nightmare, but uh, that's not my problem. <laughs> it's not, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> what are you using live? Are you using, because Jason, the other producer for this podcast, I, we're, we're always curious, who are the people that are, that are diehard tube amp snobs? Who are the cats that are down with Dig? Are you down with digital? Are you no? I'm a tube snob. We are we are tube snobs. We're we're playing all we're playing every uh, fifty watt uh, fifty one fifty. I'm doing the six L six. Frank is doing the the stealth, and John is playing the L thirty fours. Nice. So this is an ad. Yeah, the, pretty the, much. The, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Well, yeah. No, here, here's the second part. Of the I ad, respect that, the hustle. Yeah, is that I'm playing I'm playing my guitar. The SA-126 yes. that we're currently developing, which I think uh, can expect to have out next year, hopefully. Um, Great. That we've been kind of crash testing over the over the past two years of touring. And uh, so, yeah, obviously repping uh, the brand in every aspect that I possibly can. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you? So, okay, so you've got the 50-watt amps. Mm -hmm. What are we talking for caps? Uh, say the, the caps that go right with it, uh, the, uh, the 412s with the Celestian speakers that, that, you know, it's kind of the match for each, each one. Yeah. But you don't do 812s. No, not, not yet. I think maybe, uh, as, as we grow, maybe, <laughs> or you can just keep stacking the 412s and make a wall of those. But, uh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's loud enough. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, I think I, people yeah, are like, I mean, why yeah. aren't you using the 100 watts? And it's like, the 50 watts are all you need, yeah, really. It's like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so I heard that you're you're running you're running the family biz on the guitar company now. Is this true? A little bit. I'm uh, I'm kind of uh, co co running it with uh, with uh, a guy named Matt Brock, who's been working the family for long since I've been alive. Basically, he's been legendary tech. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I think most Van Halen fans will will know that name. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's wonderful. He's brilliant, uh, and I would not be able to <laughs> be able to do it without him there. Um, but you know, the, the reason I'm doing everything I can to, to make sure everything goes well with him is because that's what dad wanted. So, you know, yeah. just, uh, doing everything I can and, you know, kind of introducing, uh, new things like, like the SA 126, you know, it's kind of, 
bringing my own vibe to, to things as well, you know? While, yeah. And that's a thin line kind of hollow body. That. Yeah. It's uh it's basically, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a semi hollow, um, with uh, a block in there. I can't remember what, cause there's a bit, we've got, this is the very first one that we ever made. This is the, the number one prototype. Nice. Uh, let's see, it's got the, the E hole instead of an F for, yeah, for dad. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Very excited about that. I think we've, uh, the ones I'm playing now on stage, we've made the E hole a little bit bigger and it's a, a different, uh, assembly process that I think shaves off like 45 minutes of assembly, which is always great. And it sounds better. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So, you know, just, just kind of doing all that, that crash testing sort of stuff, which is what my dad would call it. I remember when he, <laughs> when he was developing the 5153, he would be up at the studio and he would just leave a guitar feeding back with every single knob pinned to the right. And he yeah. would just leave it feeding back like for a week and try to make the amp blow up. And when it wouldn't blow up, he's like, okay, it's ready to go. <laughs> really? That's insane, dude. <laughs> and because like the studio is so soundproof, it's like, I remember walking in with him one time where I was like, you, you hear this slight, like, yeah. Then as you open one door, it's like, then you open the next door. Yeah. And then you walk in there and it's just, there's just the guitar sitting there on the ground, beating back with, with yeah. the 412 and the 100 watt 1353. It was really, really funny. It's like that scene in Ace Ventura. <laughs> it yeah. was the winner. That's <laughs> yeah, great. Exactly. Okay. So there's a lot of people listening that aren't familiar with 5150 Studios. And this is where yeah. you, you just recorded this last record. Mammoth too. Yeah, it's 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 where I record all all, all everything now. Fifty one fifty is uh, the Van Halen studio. Uh, everything from nineteen eighty four uh, on was recorded. Everything uh, was recorded there. there. And from the, wow, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, we did a little bit of uh, when on the Van Halen album I played on called "A Different Kind of Truth" in twenty eleven or twenty twelve. I can't remember or twenty thirteen. We, it took a while to record that album, but, uh, we did some of it at Henson, yeah. uh, down, uh, in, in Hollywood, but then we, we like finished and fixed some stuff up at 5150. So basically everything since 1984 has been recorded up at, uh, 5150. Wow. So it's like the, that's where everything happened. All the magic happened. Is it still <laughs> all the original gear too? Not all. I mean, there's certain parts, uh, but the board has been changed, uh, three times. Most recently, I, I just bought a new board, not a new board, but it's a, an old Neve that I replaced the old, uh, the old war that was in there because like it was so, it would cost way, way more to, to fix it. So it's like, why, why, it's just kind of junk metal at a certain point that it's like, why not get a way better for? So I had an opportunity to, and I went for it. And I think you can hear it on the new album because we recorded to tape through this board all at 5150 and it's uh, exciting. Cool. (laughs) Did you do all the instruments on this record? Yeah, yeah. When it comes to Mammoth, uh, I think in the studio, that's kind of what the what it is and what it has been so far, at least. It's kind of my my musical expression. So yeah, everything you hear is it's all me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I do a lot of stuff where you know I'll, I'll record the majority of things, then I'll, I'll have somebody replace things or whatever. Uh-huh. But I, a lot of people ask, like in that process. Where do you start? What are you going? Like, are you making demos? Are you doing a rough draft, a prototype of the song, and then boom, you get the real tracks? Talk to me a little bit about what your process is when you're doing all the instruments. Yeah, usually, um, basically, I'll start just by doing like a logic demo. 
uh, on my computer yeah. or something uh, just to kind of realize the idea. And then I beat it up and then we finally get that sort of uh, tentative full structure of the song. And then you go up there, we put it into Pro Tools, you lock the tape machine to Pro Tools because uh, it's like every time we record a tape, it dumps to Pro Tools and all that. Yeah. And then we just record takes of drums and just keep doing it until we get enough. And then you do all the drums for every song that you've prepared. And then you do bass and then guitar and then uh, vocals and guitar solo stuff. Yeah. What do you usually do? What, what's what's your process? I mean, I, I normally do logic demos. Yeah. And then I will, I mean, I try to, I used to, to record stuff so it would sound pretty good. But then yeah, I, I don't, I don't really care about that it. anymore. I yeah, just kind of, it's like just to realize the idea is yes. enough for me, really. <laughs> I found myself getting demoitis on certain yeah. things where it's like, I just try, just do exactly what the demo was. And then oh, man. at the end, it's yeah. just, you know, I barely even write the drums. I, I just kind of just copy paste whatever. And basically in the yeah. studio, we write it as we do it. Like, like what drum patterns and stuff feel, feel feel right <laughs> yeah i found myself doing that more just so i can get the energy arc of the tune and exactly. like the stops or the holds mm-hmm. any of the pertinent rhythmic information totally. just like how how does the momentum feel i'll do that sort of thing and yeah the the less real i can make it mm-hmm. the better you know and like even if i'm doing demos with horns i'll just find the worst <laughs> horn patch possible so that way even if it's remotely fun to listen yeah. to it's like when the real horns It'll get on so there, much it's going to be dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just enough to realize the idea so you don't get married to, to anything. Yeah. But a lot of the records that I do, I, I record it all in the same room with everybody. Yeah. yeah like live yeah. in the room. So it's totally different. But if I am layering, I, it's all over the place, man. Like I, I know I should. And most of the time I, I want to do drums first, but sometimes I'll just do something all the way through and I'll be making the demo. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to be the bass player on this tune. And I got it right now. So I'll, I'll play the bass and the guitar and then I'll have somebody track drums afterwards. And you know, you get yeah. a drummer that's good enough. They'll match your time feel and they'll, totally, they'll make totally. sure it feels well, right. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I remember seeing that first, uh, that fearless flyers, like introduced in the fearless flyers song where like, that's you guys are doing like, that's what, yeah. like, like you're playing what you hear on, on, on the record. That's just so badass. <laughs> like, I love that. That's I fun. wish I could duplicate myself four times and be able to do something <laughs> like that. But you know, we, I just got to do it in the process. <laughs> you know what? Back in the nineties, remember cloning was all the rage and it was like Dolly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dolly we, the we sheep or whatever. Or, yeah. Or a thief or something. Yeah. What happened to that? We cloned a sheep and then boom, <laughs> the whole thing, just the project went out the window. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I think you guys did something else. Like yeah. you, this is not where you stopped, but oh, it's yeah, where you stopped not talking telling about us. <laughs> exactly. So, so maybe, maybe at I some mean, point we could do that. Maybe. Yeah. Cool. I, I don't know if I want another of me around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, the world doesn't need another of me. Maybe I can just kind of. I'll figure it out. We're we're getting it done anyways. <laughs> yeah, and then like like what are you going to split your own bank account with yourself? <laughs> yeah, that like you know that opens a lot of different questions on you know you, it initially thinks like oh that'd be a fun thing, but then you think it's like oh like, do, they, do they sleep in your bed? Like, do you need in a whole other room? Like do they live yeah. somewhere else? Like that's really once you get I, to the reality. I, I think of I'd it. share the house, but I'm not sharing a bed with yeah, you. Yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> That would get weird. But for the sake of what we're talking about, for, for musical sake, to be able to do it all. Yeah. Yes, the Fearless Flyers are just, fun because we yeah. do it all in one. If you could just snap right in the room. and have it all there, that would be great. And then snap it and go away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're a tube amp snob. You're yeah. recording amps in the room. 
on the on your records, your mm-hmm. your amps live. Talk to me about the pedal board, okay? Because there's there's a certain tightness of the low end. I, I know in a lot of rock players, mm-hmm. and what I, what I hear between good rock players and great rock players, and I guess just just guitar players in general, there's a tightness to low end in the rhythm parts. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to worry about this quite as much with with clean guitar. I just I yeah. use a compressor and it does the thing. But tight low end with rock guitar. Talk to me about, is there a tube screamer in there? Is there, what, like, is That's there the just thing, man. nothing? I, what, what's the going amps, on? The 5150s are so tight and so wonderful that I don't really rely on any pedal unless it's for, like, a little sprinkling of, you know, like, oh, maybe we could use a phaser or a flanger on this part. I think there was sure. a lot of pedals that my producer, uh, Elvis Basquette, pulled out. And I was like, what's that? He's like, it doesn't matter. Just like, listen how that sounds. Like, That's cool. I think it was yeah. like a a univibe that we used on a bunch of different parts. And then, uh, but yeah, there's really no live, basically live. What I have is, uh, I have all the, the EVH pedals. I have the flanger. I have the yeah. chorus, I have the phaser. I don't have the overdrive, uh, cause I don't need it. You know, the, like the yeah. 50 is already so powerful. And then I have a, uh, this reverb pedal called, uh, uh an afterneath pedal by, uh, Earthquaker. Yeah. It's super, super cool. And then I have a, a boss delay. That's really, oh, and then I have a wah for, for certain solos, but like, it's really just yeah. kind of boilerplate. I was like, like, let's just figure out like stuff that I can have. Really, it's more just to have fun with than for any necessary. There's only a handful of necessary, uh, swaps I need, uh, with pedals, but to, to get the main point across with the songs, there's really nothing that is, uh, super integral to the, to, to completing the song or, or recording really it's just kind of for taste yeah you know that's the information that every guitar player needs to hear and every guitar pedal company <laughs> hates that you just yeah. said but yeah. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is we as guitar players are so curious and we're so fiddly enough exactly. where it doesn't even matter it's you can all have candy every, and it's all fun yeah. you know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's absolutely okay so i actually as you you talked about phaser flanger univibe the guitar solo in I'm All Right. Mm-hmm. What's going on on that tune? That is that is, phaser? That, I think there's some phaser throughout, but the solo is all the wah. It's all wah, which is, uh, which is really funny because I, I wrote the solo in the studio um, when we were recording, and I, was, I knew I wanted the wah. It was just the kind of vibe of the song. Yeah. But uh, I was getting bored with operating it while I was trying to write the, the whole thing. So I just passed it off to my uncle Patrick, who was who was in the room uh, on the sofa. So, as a joke, uh, on the back of the album, it'll say it says uh, all songs written and recorded by Wolfgang Van Halen, with the exception of Wah operation on "I'm All Right" solo recorded by Patrick Bertinelli, uh, which was I thought was a funny joke, but it, it actually slowed down production <laughs> of the actual material i think by three days because we had to sign a work for hire and the label was like we need to actually we need to sign a work for hire and we need to pay him one dollar so we can legally have him on the back of the album so i accidentally slowed the printing uh of the uh of all the material by a couple of days so i was like whoops still pretty funny though you know, that's one of the things about being an independent artist that you can just kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> it <laughs> it's was like, well, it, my uncle's going to come after me. What? Like, because I have his names on the thing. It's like, yeah, hey. no, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. But yeah, overall, I mean, the, the vibe of that song just kind of really felt like it needed a walk for that. So, but overall, it's really basically everything you're hearing on that album 
like the backbone is uh, the SA. Not this one. I have one that is a tobacco burst, uh, okay. which was the second one that we made, or the third one that we made. That one, I think, out of all the initial prototypes, is the best sounding one. And that's basically yeah. everything. That, that, that's the whole album is that, pretty much. Cool. So that, and also I used the, uh, uh, the 50 watt, uh, 6L6 EVH. Uh, 5153 that I used um, at the Taylor Hawkins tribute shows. Yeah, it was that exact amp. We were like, "This amp is special. Like, let's like let's retire it and keep it at the studio now." It sounded so good during those shows that it's like, "This is this is going to be like the amp." (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So that was the last one you use it live, and then Mm -hmm. you you retired it in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that's 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 going to be the studio amp. (laughs) Talk to me about that that event. What was it like playing at that event? That was insane. Uh, it was something I'll never forget. Uh, one, just kind of separating all the emotional weight of it. Yeah. Just being able to play music with three musicians I've looked up to my whole life, Josh Freeze, Dave yeah. Grohl, and Justin Hawkins, uh, was insane enough. But then when you put the whole emotional weight of being there for Taylor, and you know, this is the only time I feel like I'm ever going to really play a Van Halen song on guitar for dad. It, it was, yeah, it was like this crazy emotional, like when, by the time I got off stage, it was like this fight or flight, like something I've never felt on stage before. It's that sort of thing mm. where like <laughs> you feel like you're going to die. And then once you come down, you realize like your mouth is completely dry and you're like gasping for air. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, a, an incredible thing to be a part of. I'll never forget it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember watching, thinking how special that entire thing was, and um, yeah, like you're saying, like I'm sure there's conflicting things for you about playing guitar on Van Halen songs, and like, yeah. you know, even just the whole, you know, uh, carrying on your family's legacy, but also, you know, carrying on the legacy of the brand of these companies, and mm-hmm. just like the being it's a very- part of the band and doing your own thing and wanting to be your own voice and, and, and coming into and finding your own voice and finding your own thing. I'm sure there's a lot of weight to that as well. That, that goes into why you choose to do certain things at certain times. Yeah, it w- it was, it, it felt like it was like, it's like, okay, if this, if, if there ever was a moment that I'm going to do this, this, this is it. Like it seemed just the, yeah. the right, like the right thing to do. Uh, and I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm, I think it was the the right thing to do, and I'm happy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I, it was it was stressful, you know, because it's like if I messed up, <laughs> it would live forever in infamy. Yeah, and I yeah. would Forever be, you know, uh, made fun of. Uh, <laughs> but uh, luckily, uh, it was the other way around. I don't think I've ever uh, <laughs> seen such a positive uh, response for anything I've done <laughs> before, wow. which was, uh, uh, really, really nice. Uh, it was uh, very lucky to, to have it have gone well because <laughs> it easily could yeah. have gone the other way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's not the first high pressure situation you've been put into. No, I mean, you've been playing on big stages since you were a kid. Yeah. Unfortunately, that seems to be the, the, the status quo in terms of stressing myself out and making sure I do the right thing. <laughs> Do you feel like you thrive better when the stress and the heat is on like that? Are you one of those people? I don't know. I think it's weird. I think over the past couple of years touring with Mammoth, the one thing that I've, I've realized that is tough for me are first. Like Mm. the, the first show of the tour is something I can't calm myself down for. 
you know, it's, it's, it's a thing that you just kind of have to do and get it over with. Like what version of calming yourself down? Like, are you nervous about the performing? Are you, is it like the logistics of getting everything right, getting everybody there? Are people going to show up? What's the, what version of, of being calm? I think of, of just to make sure I do a good job. I guess maybe I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist and I want to make sure Sure. I don't mess up, even though I think, I know we're musicians. So from a musician standpoint, we can easily pick out the, the, the tiny second that we mess up. But for, you know, for an average crowd, they're like, a show that you could be like that was the worst show I've ever played would be the best show someone's ever seen you know uh, just in yeah. terms of their understanding of of certain intricacies uh, yeah. in, a, in a musical performance but yeah I guess I just I, I'm my own worst enemy and I just uh, uh, I'm a little too rough on myself And but that's something usually after a couple shows you get into it into a tour and you're comfortable but the very first yeah. show is something I've never been able to calm down for it's always like okay <laughs> like I'm still, I'm feeling it, but let's just get it over. (laughs) I think that's uh, probably what makes you great though. You know, it's one of those things that if you're just, ah, let's just get out there. It's the first show. People will forgive us. It's fine. They understand it's the first show at tour. I think people with that kind of attitude, it's like, yeah, yeah, you might, you might want to consider raising the bar a little bit for yourself. Yeah, it's it's good, I guess, because it it shows that I care, you know? Uh, Yeah. It's like. If I don't want to do this well, and I don't care about doing it well, then what's the point? Yeah. Dude, are you guys about to go on tour with Metallica? Yeah. Yeah. We played one show with them already, and it was absolutely insane. <laughs> they have this crazy... So, okay, yeah. They they asked us to be on their, their new world tour for, for 72 seasons, their new album. Yeah. I, th- I think it actually stemmed from the Taylor Hawkins uh, show, because that's where I met Lars for the first time in uh, at Wendell. Oh, okay. And he was super yeah. cool. And then we got a request and we were like, is this a joke? <laughs> like, are you serious? Wow. And uh, yeah, we just did Amsterdam uh, like a week or two ago. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the arena or the stadium, like the way they have it, it's in the route, but it's yeah. like this big donut of a stage and it is the most like extravagant <laughs> rock and roll stage thing. I think I've ever been a part of in my life. Yeah. So it was quite <laughs> the weird thing to get used to. And I'm sure we'll get used to it, but uh, yeah, talk about firsts. I've, I've never, yeah, never had one like that before. <laughs> so you, are you, ch- I mean, you got to change everything about your, the way that you perform. If you're in a performing on a donut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the funny thing is that, you know, we're, we're, we're a baby band. So it's like, we don't have all the, the high tech, we, you know, our, our cables aren't long enough. So it's like, we're kind of bunched up on one side. <laughs> and <laughs> luckily yeah. after the show, one of the, one of the people in management was like, Hey, you know, if you want, we can get you another mic for like the other side of the stage. So it's like, if you don't have anything pedal board for a song, you can go over there and think it's like, okay, yeah. that'd be cool. You know, just to, I think as, you know, as we go and, and get used to it, I mean, even talking with, uh, the guys in Metallica, they were super kind and they, they walked in and introduced themselves. I'd met James and Lars, uh, before, but like they were talking about yeah. how nervous they were because it's just a crazy stage that it's like, yeah. you know, after a couple gigs, you'll, you'll get into it and you'll get used to it. So <laughs> we'll figure it out. But it was funny to be the first people playing on that stage in front of a crowd. Yeah. Very, very odd. Yeah. Even before they did. Yeah. <laughs> you had yeah. To do technically it. <laughs> we had to do it first. So. <laughs> So, but yeah, that's, that's great. It's, uh, we're, we're locked in to play with them till next year, which is really, really crazy. The way their touring schedule is also very insane is that they play yeah. two shows a week 
Um, and we play, they, the two shows are in the same place and we yeah. play one of them We're I think we're the only band actually playing every building with them, which is cool. Crazy. Um, but, but yeah, it's, you know, since we're still, a, a, you know, we're a baby band, we can't just kind of fly in and out with cartage and like that would kill us, you know? So we need yeah. to plan. We're basically planning tours and stuff in between. Luckily it's, yeah. you know, festival season over in Europe. Uh, our friends in Alterbridge are playing that we can join up with them a couple times. Luckily we've, we've kind of drawn this crazy map that we can follow in between every television show in the next two months. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's, that's going to be fun. Um, this new record of yours is great. The first album's great. I'm just, I was just on repeat with this last record with, with the uh, mammoth two. And you know, there's so much great guitar solos on your stuff. It's just such great rock music. There's stuff that sounds like very classic sounding. I mean, not it doesn't sound like classic rock. It sounds like just like rock music. When you mm. think of turn on rock music, you know, yeah. there's that sort of thing. There's stuff that sounds like the incubus version of rock. There's yeah. stuff that sounds like, I guess in, in a lot of ways, more of the classic rock sort of approach to things. It's very cool. It's very eclectic. But you know, a lot of the parts, a lot of the guitar playing and the guitar solos, they feel so intentional. They feel like they come from a place that's thought out. And, you know, we're talking about Metallica and what you're doing and 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 the legacy that you're a part of. There's so many things that you've been around that have included iconic guitar solos. And this being a guitar podcast, I'm always curious on 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 what what people think makes an iconic guitar part and what is it to you that makes an iconic guitar solo this is something that is kind of not my rule but something i i I follow when i think of guitar solos and i write guitar solos uh, that my dad taught me which was if you can like you can shred all you want but if you can't sing the solo then it's 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 usually not worth it you know there's there's Mm. There's always a moment, you know, there's, there's always every moment that you can do, you know, the, the, the wankery of a, of a shreddy solo, but like, it's important to be able to hum the melody, you know, mm-hmm. I think, uh, and that's usually with the way that I write solos. It's, 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 it's it, I, I love that you say that because it is really deliberate in the way that I write. I don't usually wank yeah. when it comes to solos. I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty poor off the cuff, uh, soloist. I like to really plan things out and have it be this nice piece. Cause it's, mm. you know, it kind of warms up with like a melody and then it, it, you know, and then it kind of crescendos. And then by the end, it, it wraps up with a fun little, uh, you know, maybe a tapping section or a kind of a shreddy sort of passage. But yeah, the, the basically the main thing was like, it, you should be able to hum it, you know, you should be able to, yeah. the melody should be in your head, you know? Yeah. That seems to be the general thing. I mean, for the people that are really paying attention and some people, it's interesting. I've had some answers where they're just like, you know, I don't really care about having an iconic guitar solo. I just am there for like the energy of it. Totally. And it's like, it's more about the energy. It's like, oh, okay, interesting. It It is much less memorable. In the same way where like, when I think about great melodies, it's something that I can remember forever. But when I feel, or when it's like amazing grooves, and by the way, I am rhythm section guy, you know this, but the rhythm section and the groove thing is like, what you heal, feel in the moment. It's like where the moment mm-hmm. is. It's this emotional now. And it's it's the energy when a good melody, 
and a good iconic solo like in the same way in the same way it's just something that you remember much mm-hmm. longer you know yeah. and and both are great they both serve their own purpose but it's interesting in sometimes you know i'm i'm at a lot of these jam festivals and it's like okay you're going to solo for 8 minutes how is it going <laughs> to and and i it's great i do the same thing too where it's yeah. like okay how can you make the eight minute solo feel iconic? And so much of it is the energy arc. Yeah. So much of it is uh, how how melodic is it? How much attention are you commanding of me? Sometimes you need to have that sort of shreddy thing or something yeah. that's that's technically proficient to 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 drop certain people in. But it's definitely a yeah. I'm I'm always curious when people are are obviously deliberate deliberate about it, like mm-hmm. how their approach is to it. Yeah, I, I was very deliberate when it when it came to the solos uh, on Mammoth Two. I think uh, you know, with the first album, I, I was as well. But I was that whole process. I was trying to figure out what it was, who I was as my own songwriter, and what that would be. It was kind of the challenge of getting it done and seeing if I could do it. But with this, it's like I so I've I've done it, and now how can I you know evolve that? Or, you know, now that I'm confident in like my singing voice, because like before I didn't know I could do it. But now after doing it for two years, it's like, I, you know, I think I shot for some stuff on this album that I wouldn't have been able to hit in the first one, uh, guitar wise and vocally. And and even drum stuff, like I got more comfortable. There's a lot of heavier, like in the very first song, uh, right. There's like practically like a gent metal part after the solo, which is, which is pretty funny. I, I, it just kind of shows the, the, the the breadth of of inspiration uh uh that i have when it comes to uh, to music but yeah going back to like how solos can flow um a special song for me that that came out through the recording process was the song take a bow uh, it was the, the fifth song on the album and uh the the guitar solo basically i just had uh the demo running on repeat and i just kind of was messing around and that's when i came up with the solo and uh, it's that same sort of thing where it kind of starts off super slow and then it kind of warms up and then it warms up a little bit more. There's like a little bit of tapping and, and then there's a kind of this, uh, this kind of shreddy little picking section. And then it crescendos with this like 20 second tapping extravaganza sort of thing, you know, so it just yeah. kind of flows like that. But uh, the, the special thing about that solo, uh, just because it felt special when we came up with it. Is that I recorded it on, uh, the Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein guitar. Wow. Um, as well as, you know, I had actually played the original Frankenstein guitar on the first album for a song or two. Uh, but this, it was just this solo. And on top of that, I also played it through dad's original Marshall head and, mm. uh, original Marshall cabinet, which is like, that's basically everything he used for the early Van Halen albums. And I yeah. think there are certain bends where you can hear it. You're like, wow, that is, that's that tone. It's crazy. So yeah. it, it felt special, like a special moment to do that. I didn't really use any other uh, of, of dad's like iconic guitars, but that felt like a fun to be able to let that have its time on the album, you know? Yeah. How do you decide when to, when to do that? When to break that stuff out? <laughs> it depends. Uh, like I kind of wanted... I, I I knew I went into the album going like, oh man, it'd be so fun to do a different solo on each, on one of Dad's you know special stage guitars. But we got so wrapped into the whole process of getting it done because this time you know we only recorded it over the course of three months, as opposed to yeah. the first album we recorded it over three years, ten different sessions, and figuring out different. This was recorded way faster, and it's like by the time we were done, I was like, oh damn. 
I forgot to do all that. <laughs> all I knew was, you know, it's funny. We actually had recorded the solo for Take a Bow. And when I realized, oh, wait, I wanted to try this with the Frankenstein and, and the, yeah. uh, and the original Marshall head. And so we re-recorded it and luckily it yeah. was better, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, I just, it just felt like, uh, like I kicked myself if I, if I hadn't done it. So it was little moments like that. Now, one other guitar I did play, um, the song actually that, uh, I, at the time was talking, that just came out called Like a Pastime. There's the, this like guitar melody on the top of it. And I'm using this. I had posted it when I was recording. People were laughing about it, but it's this SG that my dad had that, uh, the Van Halen album, Fair Warning. Uh, there's a song called Dirty Movies where he has a slide guitar part and he kept trying to do it, but the bottom horn of the SG kept getting in the way. So he just sawed it off. <laughs> Like literally, you could find it on my Instagram. He just he just got bored of it. He's like, I'm just gonna cut it off, and then he played the part, and there you go. Because I just think that's a really cute, <laughs> funny way of of showing my dad's quirks, and that it's like as long as he could get it done, it didn't matter what the guitar looked like, as long as the tool served its purpose. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, pretty funny. I love that. So are all those instruments just at the studio? Yeah, yeah, in storage at the studio, um, and yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of guitar collections. There's this, there's, there's certain guitar collections that I've seen that I've been like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then I get conflicted about it where it's like, man, that is like, I saw this guitar collection recently. This guy wanted to show me because, you know, you get in guitar world and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's like, the guitar world has a bunch of collectors that yeah. some people play and some people just like to collect beautiful looking instruments. This cat had a Stratocaster from every year. <laughs> that the Stratocaster has existed all wow. on the, on the wall, like one guitar from every year, you know, an American made Strat. It's like, wow, that's amazing. He's like, yeah, I never played any of them. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, well then that's you know, wouldn't it be, yeah. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if these instruments served their purpose? And, you know, I, I think that about collections and then, and then I'm thinking about what you're talking about where it's like, you have all these iconic guitars and amps. It's like, they have definitely served their purpose, right? Like the, they have, they have lived a, a great, you know, uh, yeah. uh, they've, they've put out a lot of notes <laughs> and I'm curious, like, is, do you look at that collection and think about that and you're like, should I play these more? Or is it like, these just need to stay? I in still the treat them as, as what they are. You know, they're very, very special. You know, uh, I, you yeah. know, I don't really want to taint them in any way. Not that I would, but, uh, they're sure. just very special. They're heirlooms now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it is, it is funny because it's like my, whoever, you know, my dad is the exact opposite of that guy because I remember, uh, in 2015 when I was recording, uh, the first mammoth album is when we brought out the Frankenstein, uh, the first time. And, uh, <laughs> everybody in the room was just like, Oh my God, that is, literally one of the most iconic uh, musical instruments in history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like we pick it up and just kind of look at it and the dad grabs it kind of just like noodles on it for a second and tosses it onto the couch and everybody in the room went, Oh, <gasps> <laughs> because to everybody else, it's, you know, one of the most iconic instruments in musical history. Whereas to him, it's just this piece of junk he put together to, to get the sounds he wanted. Mm. <laughs> yeah it's a really funny wow. just kind of duality of seeing uh how, you know the different impressions that each person have of it <laughs> yeah and just the relationship that you have with the instrument maybe maybe the last time you, i mean there's a guitar that i have where the last three times i've played it i've just sounded like garbage 
and I don't, I, you know, I'm pinning it on the guitar as if yeah. it was the guitar's <laughs> fault, luck. you know? So the, yeah, there's, there's certain guitars, there's a guitar in my closet right now that if I, I would do the exact same thing, I'd throw it on the floor right now. It's like, <laughs> it's not the guitar's fault. Oh, <laughs> I know I we, we all have complicated relationships with our instruments at, from time to time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one, one, of you, one of your superpowers that I've noticed is your ability to be incredible drummer, bass player, singer, guitar player. A lot of guitar players don't think from the aspect of what are the drums and bass doing? You inherently have to be aware of that yeah. because when you're making your records, like you're saying, you, you make the demo, you start with the drum, like you literally played the drums, you played the bass, now you're gonna play the guitar. And if you were super stoked about something that you did on the drums, you're not gonna I'll let lock guitar into player it's already Yeah, it's already in yeah. to lock into that. Exactly. Yes. A lot of guitar players don't have that superpower. Can you speak a little bit to some of the things that you're noticing? Because uh, I'm, I'm sure you've been around a lot of guitar players that get it and guitar players that don't and guitar players that are on their way to getting it. Yeah. So for those that are on their way or needing to learn how to understand what the other rhythm section instruments are doing and how to lock in. Like to you, you're just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna lock into that guitar or into that drum part. Some people might hear that and be like, what does that mean? Do you want me to play the same? Do, 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 do. Yeah. You want me to play? Ki, 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 do. Is that what that means? Or is it like, <laughs> you know, is it some people just have no idea. So can you talk to us a little bit about what your level of awareness is and how you approach that yourself? And then tips for those that haven't necessarily been able to pay attention to that yet? Well, I think I'm, I'm lucky with how I was raised musically. I, I started on drums when I was, when I was nine. So I think that kind of laid this good musical spine for me to kind of yeah. focus on, on rhythm. Cause I think, and well, just in terms of recording, it's like, yeah, I do the drums and then I do the bass and it's just, it's all group. That's all there is that I'm kind of laying on the track. And, uh, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's what I grew up with. I think it's funny because even dad, like he was an amazing rhythm player, but also he would count to three and then he'd count to five in, in random slots where there are so many moments where my uncle out saved him and he'd have no idea. <laughs> like he'd just be kind of <laughs> doing his thing, ending his solo too early or playing the solo too long or whatever. And we just kept, we just caught him and he had no idea. <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's just sometimes it's a thing that you can get and sometimes that, that you can't, uh, naturally. Obviously, if you're focusing on it, yeah, you definitely can. But yeah, I think that's a tough thing, at least from my perspective, to teach someone because it's, it seems like it's been inherent from the beginning in the way that I've sure understood music from the, from the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, I really, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of, <laughs> I don't know. In a way, it's kind of how my dad, Whenever I'd ask him how to play something, he would just be like, oh, like this. And then he'd proceed to be Eddie Van Halen. And I'd just be like, yeah. I can't do that. I don't know what I, you know. So it's it's tough to kind of slow down and, and, and pick out how to do that. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I've just always been a, a rhythm guy uh, from from the beginning. Yeah. What are some some albums or songs that people that you listen to that people might be surprised? Like, oh, really? You're into that? Hmm. I don't know. I think some people are are surprised to find that uh, Blink One Eighty Two was like my first band that I really like. That like got me into like it was between when I when I got my drum kit uh, when I was nine. The two albums I played to were Van Halen, uh, Best of Volume One, and Enema of the State. And I basically just tried to learn everything on both of those. 
yes uh records and uh both iconic drum albums <laughs> yeah totally totally but from that i don't know i i, I find i think there's there's something good in everything there's nothing i hate sure. more than musical gatekeeping in snobbery mm. that you find yeah. like on on social media or just like in every comment section about literally anything yeah. somebody says who cares and it's like you do like you're commenting yeah. <laughs> you know and it's like i i don't know i i i just i i'd rather look for the positive in music stuff or you know instead of i don't know i think there's something good to be found yeah i think there's a certain era of of people like i would guess anybody from the age 30 to 40 right now mm. who plays music it's like you kind of couldn't get away from blink green day metallica weezer yeah you know depending on which side of the 30s that you're in you're mm -hmm. like in your 30s you are right now but so much of that music i mean I i'm never surprised anymore when somebody says that blink 182 was one of their favorites because it's like it was such a a defining thing especially at, at a time where it was like great pop music but also still had the angst or like the feeling of angst and the energy yeah. of the punk stuff you know well, it's and, something you can't argue with which is good melody you know and that's what yes that's what i try to strive with with mammoth is that no matter how heavy or if there's a genty like part in one of my songs like you're you you best believe it's going to go to us uh, to a chorus with you know a, a cat you know a melody that that is there to be sung you know i think that's the that's what I try to get across with all my music is that there's always going to be melody no matter what, you know? And that's yeah. to me the most important thing when it comes to, to something like that. Was melody one of those things that's always been inherent for you as well? I think so. You know, uh, more, more than anything, rhythm is, is just that I've, I've always championed yeah. myself as more of a rhythm player than anything. Um, sure. But, but yeah, I think melody is something that's, that's super important for sure. Some people think what's interesting about I'm curious on your take on this, too, because melody directly ties in with songwriting. Mm -hmm. And I'm listening to you as a player, you know, as somebody who's played drum, a, a great drummer, bass player and guitar player. But then there's this element of songwriting that that a lot of people seem to have a misconception where it's like either you have it or you don't. <laughs> and I think that's that's fair to a certain extent where. A lot of people will say like, or I guess in anything in life, there's there's natural talent, right? You mm -hmm. might have a certain aptitude towards the guitar because of whatever, or, you yeah. know, I, I feel like, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a musician family, but my dad was listening to heavy jazz all the time. So I have an ear for like mm -hmm. how to listen to sure. certain types of music just because it was around the house. Do I have more of an aptitude to be able to play that music? Maybe a little bit because I've listened to it or whatever. But, but you've put think, the time in. That's that's the thing. And that's what yes. it's it's like I I get that all the time. And I know it comes from a positive place. So I I'm, I'm never yeah. negative back, but people always say, Oh man, it's it's those genes. It's it's in your blood. And it's like to an extent, like I, I grew up around it, but it's like I don't like slip my wrist and then the blood plays the guitar for me. Like I, I've put thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in every instrument I play. And, and yes, that's the work you need to put in. 
That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I think people undermine in a lot of, that's, that's to me one of the things that has always bugged me about people when they talk about second or third generation musicians, where, you know, I, I have friends that I went to college with, they're second generation musicians. Like one mm -hmm. of my friends in college, his dad was one of our professors. It's like, the kid was amazing. And it's like, a lot of people are like, oh, you're, just, you're great because, you know, your dad is blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like- I'm yeah, very familiar. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, dude, do you realize he's in the practice room more than any of you? Yeah. Like, he, there's, it's not just because, like, yes, maybe there was some sort of thing or some sort of advantage. Good for him. Great. I wish I had that too. And so yeah. do you. But- it's it doesn't make that person great. Like I, I this is no, what I'm getting at with to, songwriting. You have to do it. This is what it's I'm like with. that. Yeah, yeah, it's that ten thousand hour. You know, you, you basically. I've been doing this since I was nine, and I'm thirty two yeah. now. So if I if I couldn't play at least something, then there's something wrong with me. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it, it's just yeah. You just need to put the time. In. It's like while I know that comes from a positive place of people relating the fact that they were fans of my father. And they see sure. me, and so they want to put that together. You know, I think that at the same time diminishes my individuality as a musician and my own accomplishments in in my own skill of being able to figure out how to play what I can play on my own outside of being the 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 Van Halen boy, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. You know, <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, even if your dad wasn't your dad, it's like your uncle's the drummer in this mm -hmm. band. Like you would probably get the same thing, but exactly. it's like you have this, you have a, a, a whole combination of all these things. I was, I am kind of curious since you brought, like, it, do you feel like that is, is that the hardest part or is that the biggest misconception about you as a musician? Is that the hardest part of your career is, is finding your own identity away from that? I think most people uh, would assume that having the name that I do is more of a a, a boom than a bane. <laughs> and uh, mm. I find, at least from my perspective, that in terms of preconceived notions of what you would think of what kind of person and musician I would be, it turns out to be negative on the default, I think, because you think like, oh, sure. he's the son, you know, what is he, you know, he, you know, whatever. But if anything, I feel like I'm kind of working against that established negative opinion <laughs> consistent. Sure. So it's kind of trying to break to that neutral area that I'm always trying to find. I mean, even with yeah. uh, bringing up Al is that, you know, everybody assumes that Al taught me how to play drums and he didn't. <laughs> My dad taught me how to play Highway to Hell on drums with magazines on a table and then I took it from there and I learned those two albums, Best of Volume 1 yeah. and Mother's Day. And basically I was self-taught and I'm so thankful for that because I don't want to be sort of a mini Eddie Van Halen. I want to be my own musician. And I think my dad saw yeah. that too, which he didn't baby me and, you know, had me learn certain things. It was, he let my own curiosity and skill grow on its own. And I, I couldn't be yeah. thankful for that. I think people are still having trouble grasping that I'm my own musician. I think the, the newest song that we just released as of now, like a pastime is very different. There's no guitar solo on it. It's it, the yeah. whole song is based on this sort of polyrhythmic. It, it, it came out because I was trying to teach my fiance what a polyrhythm was. <laughs> and, uh, nice. As it's sort of, you know, the song, the rhythm opens with this guitar going, and then the drums come in with a sort of a, uh, I don't even know where to hit it, but it goes like, 
and it resets every eight counts. Um, and that's sort of the, that, that song is sort of emblematic of my love of rhythm because it's just, it's all based on that, that rhythm. And you'll see comments from the same guy, not the same person, but the same type of guy. Yeah. He's in his fifties. He grew up in the (laughs) eighties. He loves Van Halen. He probably has 50 on 50 in his name. And he goes like, no solo, really? And that's about it. <laughs> Rather yeah, than, yeah, yeah. cause I can't even imagine listening to a song just to hear 20 seconds in the bridge. Like that does such yeah. a dis- disservice to, it's so disrespectful to the craft of a song and everything outside of something flashy. But I just think it's a funny way to listen to music <laughs> that these yeah. guys do. I mean, and it's, it's also so predictable. I mean, like Very. it's, it's usually the it's, same person that, that makes those types of uh, comments. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. To some degree, like they, they probably have some sort of, I mean, obviously they have some sort of connection to something and they, mm-hmm. their expectation is that you are going to fulfill that for them. Yeah. And it's okay that you don't because you are an individual. Yeah. You know, like, like you're saying. And, and I think, you know, you, you just made the second mammoth record and you're establishing what that is. I mean, you are a part of, Van Halen band for a while. So mm-hmm. it's understandable in the course. name. What about you? Of course. So it's understandable why certain people might assume or ex- expect certain things. But I think you are more than well on your way establishing. I mean, from everything that I've heard and seen, that that's actually, you know, aside from your superpower of of playing all the <laughs> instruments and understanding how to how to how to work them together. I think one of the great things that I am noticing after listening to both those records is you really are carving out something for yourself that is uniquely yourself. And at the same time, it's totally a part of the lineage of the name because it's celebrating excellence in music. And I think that a lot of people discredit the idea of just like, okay, like, yeah, you're Eddie was incredible lead player but i'm a rhythm guitar player guy and i have yet to hear a rhythm guitar player as good as eddie in in (laughs) rock music you know like he could be a rhythm rhythm alone and it's worth and and all the accolades are are still are still valid i i love that you you have a dedication to excellence in music and that to me is worth that like that should be the comment not where's the guitar so it's like (laughs) dang the level of excellence and musicianship is alive and it's well in rock music and there's melody there's there's great execution and it's well, great I, writing i will say that 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 guy is a very small percentage i i sure. over over the course of mammoth being around i've noticed such an incredible wave of positivity and it's wonderful that people are are letting me be myself um yeah. but also thank you so much it's very uh, kind words of you to say but i yeah i think that at least when it comes to, yeah, when it just comes to all that, it's just kind of, I think people expect me, it's like, oh, carry on the legacy. And when they say that, they mean play Panama, <laughs> you know, sure. when really, <clears throat> yeah, I, my continuing of the legacy is, I like how you put that is, is musical excellence and, and, and kind yeah. of focused on making the best music I can. And that's enough. That's more than enough. That's it's that's the perfect thing I could do in honor of my father is be my own musician and continue yeah. in any way I possibly can. I love that. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what's next for for EVH Gear. You got this guitar you're working on. You you and Matt are running the company. I love that. 
Yeah. Love we've got that. A, we've got a lot of fun things. We actually just recently had a, had a, had a meeting about the sort of three year plan. And there's, there's a lot, uh, in the pipeline that I'm very excited about. I can't talk about it because I'd get in trouble, but, um, I mean, there's so many things that, that dad, uh, still has attachments to that, that, you know, he had so many ideas that are still, it's like we're working on. And then we've got new stuff like, you know, like the SA 126. And, uh, you know, right now we're, uh, uh, my bass player has been playing a, uh, a prototype Wolfgang bass, um, which is the, cool. the stuff that I was initially using uh, when I was playing, uh, in Van Halen in 2012 and in 2015. So, you know, we're, yeah. we're actively developing so many different things that people uh, can see and that people can't see yet, but yeah, I, I, it's very exciting. We're going to be going to have a lot of stuff to talk about <laughs> in the future. It's exciting. Great. I love that. And what else is next for Mammoth? You guys are going, you're doing tour with Metallica. You got some of your own stuff. You got the got new album of, coming out. Yeah. The album comes out on August 4th and we're already touring a bunch with, uh, with Metallica the next couple months. We're in Europe and then we come back and then we play, uh, in the States. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I actually believe August 4th, the first, uh, day, uh, that's the first Metallica show, I think in, uh, New Jersey is when the album comes out. Wow. Which is exciting because maybe we can play, uh, some, some newer songs from the album because it's sort of a heavier album, uh, in yeah. comparison to the first one. So it'll be fun to play some heavier material. But yeah, and then the album, yeah, so the album comes out, we do all that in the States. And then, uh, I think 2024, has yet to be seen. We got a lot of a lot of plans for, uh, but that's all sort of uh, getting put together now. So it's it's exciting. It's it's good to be busy. <laughs> that's great, man. I'm so stoked to see it. I'm really excited to uh, come check you guys out. Yeah, live because I've, any, I've been watching man. out all the stuff. Thank you so much, man. Any and any clo- any show you're near, just uh, let us know. Awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's been great to have you on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll, so much, we'll have to man. hang and, 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 and jam on some rhythm section Dude, stuff sometime together. I would absolutely love to. That'd be an honor, man. Thank you so much. Great. Yeah, I'll hit you up. Let's do it. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Thank you so much, man. There you have it. Wolfgang Van Halen. What a nice guy. What a great dude. If you're unfamiliar, go check out his music. It's really cool. It's really cool. I really dig it. I've been listening to it lately. I listen to pretty much everything that he's put out before this podcast so I can, you know, prepare for it. But I've also, there's a lot of stuff that's just stuck with me. So that's really great. Hey, like I was saying at the beginning of this, I'm going out on tour. I left for tour today to go to Europe and the UK and I have a US tour. Come check it out. Come say hi at a show going to be a really fun one. I got a big band right now, and it is sounding tight. That working band, dude. There's something about playing together a lot of shows that makes a band really tight. The band's sounding great right now. So, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Peace! Peace!